Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Good morning, everyone. As is my custom during first service, I forgot to say what my name is. I'm Jarrell Wilson. I am the church start resident and a pastor here at Urban Village Church. Um, we are going to start this morning where good Christians start in scripture. So listen or read along the word of God for us this morning. It comes from Isaiah in the 40th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald of good tidings, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald good tidings, lift it up and do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. And he will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God today. Thanks. Um, we are going to open with a word of prayer. As is a new tradition of mine, I'm going to sing it. Close your eyes and brace for impact. This is a verse from O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O come, desire of nations mine, all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrel cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, 
Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Come, desire of nations, bind all of our hearts, all of our minds. Cause envy and hate and fighting to cease and fill our world with your heavenly peace. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. It is the most wonderful time of the year. And I know what you're thinking. Oh no, someone's starting Christmas and it's only November. But don't worry, it's the most wonderful time of the year because it's Advent! Woo! Yay! Scream and shout! Advent is the best season. It's also the Christian New Year. So Christians are really interesting people in that we saw this beautiful calendar all set up that starts in January and ends in December, and we decided we should start our calendar in like November, and then we can have it end in November instead. So we start our Christian New Year in Advent, and then we go through and this strangely, slightly altered version of time. It's wonderful. Um, and it's kind of hard to predict. There's these really fun formulas and equations that go into it. This equinox subtracted by this amount of days equals when Easter comes. And if you close your eyes and sneeze really hard, then you'll figure out what another Christian holiday is. It's very complicated. And I learned about it in seminary. And I think I got like a B minus on that quiz and I don't remember. So instead, the way that we find out how to celebrate um, Mary getting the good news that she's going to become a mother is a really easy uh, solution. We just subtract or add, depending on how you do math, nine months to Christmas. So you just go back and then you figure out, oh, March 25th, this is the day of the Annunciation. And then we just fill in the blanks from there. At least that's how I determine it. The Roman Catholic Church has charts. Everything has been listed out for like the next 200 years. But it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I have to confess, I told this to the last service and I'll tell it to you now, I got tired of Christmas. Every year, people would start in October celebrating the holidays and singing about how great and joyful everything is and the reality of the world is that not everything is great and joyful. But it's not Christmas. It's Advent, and Advent is great because it gives us space to show up at God's door and say, hey God, remember you haven't finished your job yet. It's a great time because as a protester, I enjoy voicing my complaints. <laughs> Advent is like the season of a customer service line in which the customer service representative has to listen to you. We get to bring forward the things that God has promised. The mountains being made low, the valleys being exalted, all nations living in peace isn't here yet. So we get to show up to God, our customer service rep, and say the product you have promised isn't here yet. And for weeks, we get to point to the candle of hope 
and love and joy and peace and say, where are these things, God? Where is our hope in the midst of our sorrow? How do we find hope when so many people in our community are living on the street? How do we find hope when so many LGBT children are committing suicide? How do we find joy in the midst of our cancer diagnoses? How do we find joy in the midst of earthquakes devastating communities and tsunamis washing people's homes away? How do we find love in the midst of messages of hate being spread from the highest office in the land all the way down to our next door neighbors to our parents bumper stickers how do we find peace when our nation has existed in a state of war since 1776 well technically since before then before we were even a nation before we even declared independence we were fighting fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and how do we declare that peace has come so we light these candles as a sign of protest that God's promise isn't here yet. And we do it until we reach December 24th, the easiest day of the calendar to remember on the Christian scheme of time. And then we celebrate that Jesus Christ has burst into the world, bringing the things that we said God hasn't brought yet. I love Advent because it is the season of the protester. But I also love it because at the end of it, we get to celebrate. This text is written to a people that have been taken away from their homes, ripped out of their homes, and dragged across a desert to a land that they've never been in before. And after years of existing in this space, God sends a word to the prophet Isaiah, comfort, comfort ye my people. It's a very great Advent text. It's one of my favorites. God, after years of suffering and sadness, and years of existing in a state of blueness, finally answers the cries of God's people and says, comfort is coming. Joy is coming, peace is coming, hope is coming, love is coming. And that last candle in the middle is Christ. Christ is coming. Advent is my favorite. We're waiting for the arrival of Jesus Christ but we're remembering that Jesus has already been here and in the present, we are preparing a way for him. This reminds me of my other favorite thing. So last service didn't get to see this. Y'all get to because 
I remembered. This precious little animal is named Mia. For those of you listening at home, I'm showing a picture of the world's most beautiful and glorious creature, this 45-pound white bull terrier mix with a giant black spot on her tush. She is a six-year-old dog, and the way that she loves people is really somewhat indescribable. So some dogs uh, get excited and wag their tails when people come up to them. My dog aggressively runs forward to every single person, no matter how tall or short they are, no matter what they look like, she runs to meet people, which for some people is a terrifying experience to see a 45 pound dog with really sharp teeth running full speed at them. But she does it in the cutest way. And she wags her entire body and then she comes up to people and shoves her face right in their crotch and takes a deep whiff. And I found this to be the absolute strangest practice. But it's not just my dog who does this. All dogs do this really weird thing of shoving their, cro their faces in people's crotches and breathing in deeply. And I know, I see the looks. I can even like see people at home like listening on a podcast, like where is he going with this? What does this have to do with waiting for Jesus Christ? <laughs> And I am absolutely crazy, you are all correct, but my craziness has a purpose. I promise God is working all things out. So as I'm thinking, Lord, why are dogs so weird? Why do they do this thing? God provides manna from heaven in the most amazing way possible. An NPR podcast. <laughs> as a... Uh, liberal elite, I was listening to my podcast while walking my dog. And this doctor, Dr. Alexandra Horowitz, was talking about dogs. Her entire job is studying dogs, which dream job. Okay, <laughs> confession. When we were asked what we wanted to do after seminary, I said I wanted to create a church that only served two demographics, puppies and babies <laughs> and before, and not like children babies specifically after they turn to i don't want them anymore they've graduated onto real church and but for me puppies exist for all eternity a puppy is 15 a puppy is 1 a puppy is 2 weeks old this is my church i just want to exist and do ministry with puppies and babies and i can serve them communion baptize them um, baptizing babies is easier than baptizing dogs, believe it or not, and then send them back to their owners and parents. Unfortunately, that is not a sustainable ministry model. But this woman gets to do that, minus the babies. All she does is focus on dogs, specifically on their senses of smell. Now, smell for dogs is really different than smell is for humans. So we're going to get sciency. Are y'all excited? <laughs> I feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson, like Cosmos, but instead of going out to outer space, we're going like into your house and into your dog's nose. So human beings have five million receptors for scent um, called olfactory receptor glands. Sounds so sciencey. 
five million of them. It sounds like a lot until you put that number up against the 300 million that dogs have. And dogs have this giant processor in their brain that helps them sort through all of the extra smells that they consume. And their noses are designed in a specific way so that they can breathe in through the front and breathe out through the sides so that their breathing out doesn't stop them from smelling new things. And the way that their noses are shaped, they actually have like these little crystals on them so that they can even like take the brunt of wind and still pick up what the wind is carrying. And dogs can smell things in giant spaces that human beings can't. So like in this room, somebody might spray perfume and everyone in the room would be able to smell it. A dog would be able to smell that spritz of perfume from the size of a stadium and would be able to take out that distinctive scent while still managing to process all of the other scents around it. The dog is so, like their noses are so um, specially designed to absorb scent that they can smell the past, what has happened, smell the shoes from someone else, smell the pee that other dogs have left behind while processing the current scent that is on top of it and even smell what's coming up in the future because the wind is carrying smells. They can smell things that they can't physically see. They can smell the very emotions human beings are processing before human beings even enter rooms. They can smell pregnancy before women know that they're pregnant. They can smell cancer before cancer shows any visible signs. Their noses are so well designed by God. What do these noses have to do with Advent? Y'all, just wait, just wait, it's great. <laughs> but when you put that, the sense of their deep sense of smell in the context of them shoving their noses up against our crotches, we have to remember that what they're doing has a purpose. Every time they do that, they're not only saying, hi, it's nice to meet you. They're checking up on us. They're smelling, oh my God, is this person sick? This person might be developing diabetes. Can you believe dogs can smell that? Their noses are so good that they can smell, oh no, this human had a bad day. Oh no, this human is suffering. Oh no, this human is old. <laughs> I don't know why that was an oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh no, this human is only 25 and preaching a sermon. Oh no. <laughs> and they get to process all of that while still picking up the smells around us. I find it absolutely fascinating. In a way, dogs exist in this like Doctor Who sort of world. For those of you unfamiliar with the longest running sci-fi show in history, Doctor Who is an alien from outer space that can travel through space and time, um, which sounds really complicated because it really is. And Doctor Who can go back and forth and up and down in time. Dogs exist in the same sort of way. They smell the past, they smell the present, and they can smell the future all at the same time and process it. And it's really interesting that like the same creatures that eat their own vomit have the ability to process more information in seconds than we can. Bringing this back, they can see the things that aren't visible to eyes 
in the same way that Advent calls us to see the things that aren't here yet, while remembering the things that have happened, while still existing in the present. You see, Isaiah wrote this text to people who had a past, People who had homes, who were dragged from those homes, and in the present exist in a place where they are not known, where they are not heard, where they are not welcomed, where they are not loved, where they are not treated as equals in this secular kingdom. And now they have been given a vision of the future, a vision that God is doing something new, that God is creating a space that is bold and inclusive and relevant, that God is doing something that is bringing about hope and love and joy and peace. And God is doing something new, yet these people exist in the present. They don't get to be there yet. In the same way, Advent tells us that though we have a past, that though we have experienced suffering and grief and loss, that though we might have got a diagnosis that is not good and we are called to exist in the midst of the not good, that we have a future that God has prepared for us and that God has invited us to make that future possible. God has invited us to prepare a way for the Lord, to make the ways of the Lord straight resisting temptation, that God has called us to walk and to make sure that when Jesus comes, it is just this beautiful time to celebrate. God has called us to make room for Christmas, but has called us to not forget to do the necessary parts of grieving, of walking up and protesting and saying, how long, O Lord, will our people be hungry? How long, O Lord, will we have to go to the bridge project and serve kids because injustice exists? How long, O Lord, will we have to collect coats for people because they're cold? How long, O Lord, well, we have to collect food for people because they're hungry. And as we're saying this, how long, remembering the past, we're still working in the present. We're still going to feed people, and we're still going to clothe people, and we're still going to tell people that God loves them and cares for them while making a world so that we don't have to do that anymore. We are working ourselves out of jobs. which exist a lot like dogs' noses. See? You see the magic of this? You see the genius? The nose doesn't just pick up what existed in the past. It doesn't just see, oh, look what happened back there, and that's what caused the present. It doesn't just say, oh, look, this is the present. Cookies are being made. But it says, look at what's going to happen once it comes out of the oven, and we all get to sit at the table together, and we all get to taste the nice, delicious, warm, gooey, melted milk chocolate and dip it into the glorious cup of milk or soy milk if you are lactose intolerant, that we get to exist in a place where we get to make this world a reality. Mm. The people Isaiah is speaking to are called to a both and space. They are called to hold on to the past while making the future and to exist in between them. To wait on God's future action, the Lord God coming with might, 
with his arm rules and with his reward for those who love him. And they're called to do something in the present, to stand in the wilderness and to prepare the way of the Lord and to make straight in the desert a highway for God to travel. And they're also called to eagerly anticipate God doing something in the future. And they eagerly anticipate it because they remember that God is a person, a being that keeps God's word, that the grass withers, that the flower fades, but that the word of our God stands forever. And I want to stop and just focus on what the word of God is. In modern Christianity, we've tended to conflate the word of God with the Bible. And the Bible is great. The Bible is great. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. But the Bible is not the word of God. The word of God is a person. And that person has a name. And that name is Jesus. And the word of God will stand forever. That word brings the hope that we are waiting on. That word brings the joy that we feel we can't get. That hope, that word, that joy brings peace that human beings have been struggling for for centuries. That word will stand forever. And what's amazing about that word is that it brings life. Life where so many people have experienced only death and sadness and sorrow and only felt excluded and left out. That word steps in and creates a space for those who feel excluded. It creates a space for those who need healing. It creates a space for those who have no other space to go to. That word will stand forever. And our jobs as Christians is to prepare the way. And it looks to our eyes to be impossible. But God is calling us in this text to see what is unseen. Like dogs, see what is unseen. You see how God leaves these beautiful illustrations for us in creation? That God doesn't just leave us to our own devices, but leaves us little goodie bags to follow and to find our way home to get to the point of the message. We are called to see what isn't here yet and then to work to direct our noses to create that, to find it, to seek it out, to find the word that stands forever in the midst of the words that will wither away like grass and will blow away. And let me tell you now, I know that so many of us are sitting in a state of anxiety because of the events that are going on in the world, but let me tell you that anger and hate are grass, and they are going to wither away, but the word of God is going to stand forever. Let me tell you, bigotry is grass, and it will blow away, but the word of God is standing forever. That war is like grass. It will wither away, but the word of God will stand forever. And the joy that we have is beings that have been baptized, beings that have been ushered into a new state, into a new life, is that we get to prepare the way for that new reality to come into being. We get to make 
the way of the Lord straight. We get to clean the hedges out. We get to move some of that grass that's withering away out of the way. We get to push aside the hate and the bigotry and all sorts of the evil isms that exist in the world so that God can come on in and bring about a new way of being. Right now, we are in the wilderness, but God sees the wilderness not as a barren, desolate wasteland, but as a blank canvas to paint something new. And friends, we have been invited to pick up our easels and our paintbrushes and to get to work with the Son of God. That is the good news of the gospel. And we live it out every week. So while Christmas, to some people, might seem like an overly commercialized event that comes earlier and earlier every year, I swear I saw Christmas decorations in March once, but it was my own mistake because I walked into a craft store. Every year, Christmas comes earlier, and I really love Advent, because although I still sing the Pentatonics Christmas album, Advent reminds us that we are still waiting for something. And not that we're just waiting, but we are working for something something bigger than you and I, something bigger than we could have imagined ourselves. And so I wag my finger at people who start singing Christmas carols a little too early. Because when you wait for something, when you're working for something, once it gets there, the joy you receive just from having waited is worth it. The anticipation of leading up to it, the petitions that come week after week, prepare you to receive the joy when the gift is given. So we wait together. This is only week one. Can y'all imagine? We're going to wait for Jesus. But we're not just waiting. We're working. We're preparing the way. We might be in a wilderness now, but we're preparing the way for the Lord. We might not be able to see with our eyes. So I invite you to close them, seriously, and to take in a deep breath and smell what God is cooking. Smell the scent on the wind that is coming from around the corner. That is the smell of the winds of change, of every valley being exalted and mountains being brought low and rough places being made plain, of evil losing and of good prevailing. That is the smell of the very kingdom of God breaking through into this world. And it all starts with us choosing to respond to God, choosing to enter in to God's good promise for each of us, that the way things are is not the way that they always will be.
Justice is coming. We get to respond to God's big yes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for dogs. But we also give you thanks that you are doing something new, something that we might not even be able to see, but we trust in you. No matter what is going on in the world, we trust that you are there too and that you are doing something, that you are working out something good. Give us the strength and the grace we need to prepare the way for you. Give us the strength and the grace we need to tell others that God is doing something new, that you are doing something new. We pray these things in the name of your Son, whom we have received, whom we are waiting on, who is coming again. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.